and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Amen. Welcome, everybody, to the Remnant Call. This is Brother Frank. Glad you're here with us tonight. And uh, we've got a, a hope of show tonight that will minister to you in a deeper way. Um, you know, it's so easy to come on and talk when you live uh, far away from Florida. But, you know, as we've seen today, and, and I think this is I think this is the thing that troubles me the most, is the fact that I feel sometimes so disconnected from what's going on in the world that I feel bad that I almost don't feel bad enough when I see tragedies happen. It's like so much is going on in the world, and you see something like in Florida, and, and it's so tragic, and you see it, and you feel bad, and then the next bit of news comes on, and before you realize it, you've kind of already set that a little bit behind, and then you come back and say, what's wrong with me? There are children that will never see their parents again. There are parents that will never see their children again. And and we we see so much tragedy, and we're on Facebook, and we're on news that we just kind of move from one thing to the other, and, and we're not processing these things anymore. And And folks, we're losing our ability to rightly process tragedy. And, and, and to deal with grief, we're simply suppressing it. But let me tell you, folks, when you suppress it, it's still there. You're just covering it up, and it, it'll come out in a violent way uh, one day. Um, I'm not saying you're going to kill somebody, but I'm talking about it will blow up one day if you don't deal with it appropriately. And so I want to encourage everybody. I'm just going to start with a word of prayer, and especially for those in Florida. Um, let's just pray, Father. In the name above all names, Yeshua, Jesus, I just pray that you would be with those families down there, Lord, that they're struggling right now. They had no idea that that was the last morning they were going to kiss their children on the way to school that day. or That would be the last day that they would say, I love you, or, or maybe they were wishing that they had. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to understand that this is a sin-sick world that we live in. And, and, Lord, we need to remember to be compassionate and, and to understand the times that we're in. And, Lord, through all these things, help our hearts not to become hardened. Lord, forgive me where I've gotten so busy in what's going on in work and in life and in, or in politics or in the news or whatever it might be that I have missed out on rightly comprehending somebody's anguish in their life. Lord, I pray today that as, as believers in you, that we would have compassion and love towards others. And know that we're, 
we're going through some tough times, but Lord, but you promised to be there, but we're going to be faced with some trials that we're not ready for yet. And so I pray tonight that this program will help us to understand what it means to really have radical faith. Maybe it's not the way we always understand it. Maybe there's some more to it that we haven't thought about. And I pray tonight, Lord, that you would bring that out in this show. And Lord, I just please comfort those families. I ask it in Yeshua's name. Amen. Folks, it has been a tough week for many people out there. In tonight's message, I feel like it's just something that I hope everybody can understand. Because radical faith, it's something that we as believers got to embrace. And I'm going to talk about it in such a way that I hope that maybe it brings a little bit different of an understanding, or maybe a little deeper, or maybe you would comprehend radical faith, maybe in a way that you haven't rightly processed yet. So that when you understand this radical faith and you see these things happen in life, that you will understand what it means to truly have a radical faith for the Lord. I want to open with a verse that we all love, and, and we love to quote it often because it's our kind of our go-to comfort scripture that we, we like to share with others. In Romans 8.28, everybody knows it, but I'll read it from the Word. And, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Amen. Amen. See, we love that verse of the power that is contained within it. It's a verse we often as believers share with others, especially those that we know that are believers, uh, in their times of crisis to remind them of that God that God ultimately has everything under control. Do you believe that? But I just for a moment right now in this in this program that I'm doing right now this evening or whenever you're listening to it, I'd like you to remove that other person out of that equation for a moment. And I want you to put yourself this. I want this message to be directly to you talking to you, to God talking to you as we move forward. I want it to point right at you. See, we love when we see that person and, and you know, they come up and they share, you know, I, I lost my job or I don't have this or, you know, maybe or I, I'm not be able to make my rent or, or, you know, maybe I lost a child in, in miscarriage or, or maybe, maybe they lost a child to a shooting or whatever it might be. And many times we use that verse and, and we, we try to listen to them for a moment, but a lot of times we cut them off before they're done actually expanding on the hurt that is within them. We sometimes have a really hard time listening to people. And so we'll say, listen, brother or sister, I, this is horrible, I know, but remember all things work together for good to them that love God. See, we, we love to share that. Because it's our go-to comfort. But then it's funny how we'll turn right around and we'll get that call about our job or that's something we've been praying for or something that we've been asking God for. And as soon as we get that call for us, we're, God, what's going on here? 
It's amazing how we can comfort others so easily. But when we have tragedy happen in our life, my question is, do you really believe that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to this purpose? See, what happens when your finances aren't cutting it anymore? What happens when it comes time for you to maybe give an offering or pay a tithe? And I know some of you don't believe that, but I don't care what you believe. What happens when you can't make it and you've got to say, Lord, do I still trust in you? I don't have a job. Are all things in that moment, are they working together for good? How about when you're sick and you've been praying for the healing, but the healing doesn't come right away? Are all things working together for good at that moment? Or what about your work when your boss and that boss you know that you've had maybe in the past or maybe you currently have right now that won't, won't stop giving you a hard time? Is, is that really working for good at that moment? Or even harder, what about when you have lost that loved one as they did in Florida, the one you have cherished and loved so much and been close to? Are all things working together for good? to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. It's not always easy, folks. I know that you know I, I know that I, I wanna I wanna share this with you this evening about radical faith. It's not easy. Because radical faith is a kind of faith that even in the face of adversity stands firm in the truth, even when the answers don't come the way they or we or you want them to come. Did you comprehend that? See, radical faith is a kind of faith that even in the face of adversity stands firm in the truth, even when the answers don't come the way that you wanted them to come. And I want to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 16. If you've got your Bible there, turn with me. And I want to, I want to read. I'm going to, I'm going to cover some Scripture, okay? So, so don't get upset here. We're going to go through a little bit of Scripture and kind of build into something here. Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6. Now, when they had gone through Phygra and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia... After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. I want you to pick this story up. See, they were desiring to go to Asia. And then when that plan got messed up by God, according, you know, then they wanted to go down to Bithynia, but the Spirit wouldn't allow them. See, they had their desires of where they wanted to go. But God was, it was saying, no, you know what? It's not where I want you to go right now. And a lot of us, we like to decide look, what we're going to do in our ministries and where we're going to go and how we're going to minister. And then when God many times interrupts that, often we get upset because we had our plans. Lord, we had worked it out. We have everything strawed up. This is the way we want to go. And see, sometimes we get upset really quick, and we under, don't understand that this is how God has been, a, been acting all along. See, it's not always about what you want, but it's about what God wants. And God was saying, this is not where you are called to go right now. Trust me, God sent them back to Asia, okay? He takes care of that stuff, but it wasn't the right time yet. Continuing on in verse 8. And they pass, and they passing by Mysia 
came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man in, of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So here, now things are starting to make sense. See, they had their plans, but God had something else. And then when he saw the vision, he understood where God was calling them. See, so sometimes when you get your plans blown up or God's got some, we don't give the Lord enough time to reveal what he actually wants to do. And so here, God, it's becoming clear now. Oh, I see this now. Lord wants us to go. Okay, now it's making sense. Many times we cannot give God the amount of time that he needs to make his revelation clear. We always want to have the answer before we even make the move. Verse 11, therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia. That's a tough word. And the next day to Neapolis. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of a part of Macedonia and a colony, and we were in the city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside when prayer was wont to be made and sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she brought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her master much Gain, saying, gain by soothsaying. So here, they're on their way down there, and, and so now they're, they're following where the Lord wants them to go, and along the way, they meet Lydia. She hears the word, and God not only saves her, the whole family saves the whole – folks, when you get on God, it's amazing because the Lord is so much better at winning souls than you are. God is so much better at spreading the good news than you are. He wants you to do it, but he wants you to follow the way he wants to do it. we got to remember, we serve the king, and we do what the king says. You've tried it your way, and it doesn't work. And God's simply saying he knows a better way. And look at this. If they had not gone that way, Lydia may have never had that opportunity. And so God saves the whole house. But when ministry begins to prosper, what happens sometimes? Well, you start to find the antagonists. And so here comes this woman out of here who had uh, who began to – she was possessed, a damsel with a spirit of divination, and she had made a lot of people money because she's saying good things. She can, she can divine, and so she can speak about what's going to happen. And so the, it says in verse 17, the same followed Paul and us and cried, these men are servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul being grieved turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. 
and he came out the same hour. So here she starts off by saying the truth. Folks, you know the devils speak the truth when they're in the presence of the Lord. You've heard it before. You've saw in the Bible. Satan quoted the very word of God when he was in front of Jesus. Now, they might try to, might try to mix a little bit of error, but she was, she was speaking the truth. But then Paul understood that this was not coming from the spirit of the living God. This was coming from a devil, and it began to antagonize and to drive a And it began to bother Paul, knowing that this was a, a total distraction. And so Paul was being grieved what's going on. He actually turns around and, and does the most merciful act to this woman. Yes, he's grieved, but he casts this devil out. And so when he casts this devil out and, and frees this woman from this bondage, you know, all of a sudden things, you know, which looked like something amazing ends up turning into something that, well, let's just keep reading here. It said it came out in the same hour, verse 19, and when her master saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being, being Romans." And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. So here Paul, he does something amazing. He sets this possessed woman free. He does the wonderful right thing. He casts this devil out. And instead of the, every, the, the whole town rejoicing that this foul spirit out, now they're being falsely accused for doing wrong things. Have you ever done the right thing and had people say something bad about you? See, there now they had God had wrecked their plans to begin with. Now they're getting on track. Now they're seeing people coming to the Lord. Now they're seeing miracles. You think that everything's going wrong, right? It's like Elijah. He's on top of Mount Carmel, and he's slaying the prophets of Baal. And the next moment, he's crying out for his life to God to take his life because he's afraid of Jezebel. Sometimes in ministry, when you're on top of the mountain, the devil comes after us hard. And so here they're in the middle of all this prosperity of ministry, and here comes out for doing something good. Now they're in prison. And so you, you look at this, and you read Romans 8.28, and you have to ask yourself, is all of this, what's going on, really working for good? I mean, God, what are you doing? We Okay, Lord, we messed up at first. We had our plans. We didn't do them. We followed what you said. Now you're showing us the what you – Lord, we're seeing ministry, and now you're, you're going to beat us? You're going to allow us to be beaten? Isn't it interesting how so often when people get upset, we many times accuse God of, do, of the one causing the bad things to happen? That's such a shameful thing. And so here they're, they're doing the right thing, and now they're stuck into prison. And so in verse 24, it says, Who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. So not only did they put them in prison, but they locked them up from head to toe, all the way down to their ankles. They were stuck in prison. And you're looking at this, and you're saying, here's Paul, this great man of faith, this man of God who casts out devils, who's bringing whole households to salvation, who's seeing the miracles of God, and now he's stuck in prison? 
And you have to look at yourself and say, Paul, man, what? I, I can't believe what's going on. I mean, how could this happen to such a good man? And so here Paul sitting in prison in the middle of this, and the Bible says at verse 25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. So here Paul is, he's in the middle of the prison, and he, he's, he, most of us would be absolutely horrified right now. Most of us would absolutely could not believe because we, we saw the radical faith earlier that he had, right? He had that radical faith when he was casting out the devils, right? He had that radical faith in, but now he's in prison. He's locked up, and instead of sitting there and moping and blaming God, the Bible says that he begins to sing with Silas after they had prayed, my friends, is radical faith. The kind of faith that doesn't see the deliverance yet still is willing to praise. Well, it continues on. It said, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosened. And the keeper of the prison awaking out of the sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? See, Paul is displaying this radical faith, you know, as he's stuck here in this prison, as he doesn't know what to do. He begins to sing, and God busts open the doors, and you realize all alone that even, yes, he took a beating. God sent him there to save this jailer's life. Oh, folks, what may be God doing in your tragedy in order to save someone else's life? Well, it says that they ended up taking him home, and again, they went with him, and the Lord ended up saving his whole entire household. Yeah, he took some stripes along the way, but radical faith said, you know what? God is greater than the situation that I am in. You see, if you look in here, radical faith in the Word of God I want you to turn, if you've got your Bible still, turn over to Hebrews 11 and verse 6, because I want to read this verse to you. Romans 6 says this, But without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You see, folks, radical faith, it reads Hebrews eleven six 6, and it says, you know, God, you are God, and you are exactly who you say you are. See, many times we read, and we don't understand, and we don't comprehend, but the radical faith reads what it said and says, you know what, God is God, and, and if God is God, then that means, folks, we are not God. And if we are not God, then radical faith recognizes his majesty and his glory, but also his authority over our lives. You see, when we don't take God for who he says he is, then often we are not willing to surrender our lives to God. Because we only like to say he is God, but to actually let him rule over our lives is hard. Because 
are only acknowledging he is God with our lips, but our hearts so often are far from under his authority. Let me take this a little bit farther for you. When you read the Bible, do you read it to correct God's word? What I'm saying is, when you read, do you read the Bible to correct your theology, to correct your theology and your lifestyle? Do you do you read the Word of God so that so that you can justify the way you're living, or do you read the Word to have your theology and your lifestyle corrected? See, often we read the Word of God in order to show that our life our lifestyles and our theology is correct, but often do we not read? in order to have our theology and our lifestyles be corrected. Let me go even farther with that. When you pray, do you pray to instruct, or do you pray to be instructed? You see, radical faith does not seek to change the will of God to one's desire, but seeks to accept and receive the will of God to conform to His desire. So many people are upset and demand and instruct that God deliver them the way they want to be delivered and that God would help them the way that they desire to be helped. But radical faith, folks, does not seek to instruct and demand, but radical faith says, I will conform and accept and be transformed, not by my will, but by God's glory. So when you read Romans 8, 28... When you read those words where it says, and we know that all things work together for God, to, for, for good, to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. See, you begin to understand it a little differently. And as one person had said, radical faith does not believe that all things are good, but that all things good and bad ultimately issue in our good and God's glory. Amen. Radical faith goes beyond the boundaries of reason. See, so often we believe in radical faith is in just in missionary work, where I'm going among the headhunters and the cannibals, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing something, and that is radical faith. But I'm telling you, there is a radical faith that we have to learn how to embrace, and that is the radical faith that when we don't see and understand, we will accept and believe because we have radical faith. See, radical faith believes at the times when it cannot comprehend. Radical faith takes a situation like a lost job or an injury or a child or persecution or financial pair, and the believer looks at the situation and they questions why, and they wonder why their questions are not being answered. But it's the radical faith that says, even though I cannot understand God, what just happened, even though I cannot know why, even though I cannot comprehend, I will still continue to believe. See, it's radical faith that we see so often in those moments in the Bible that leads to that singing in prison like Paul and Silas, to glory in tribulation in Romans 5.3, to choose affliction over comfort, Hebrews 11.25, and humbly accepts God's will in Philippians 1.12. Radical faith, folks, is not always reaching down and grabbing that serpent in the fire, okay? Radical faith means accepting what you cannot control or comprehend. Even when you don't see the answer, 
See, many of you right now that I know personally, you are afraid of the times that we're living in. You don't know how to provide for your family. You don't know what you're going to do. You can't make preparations. You don't have any money. You're worried about it because you've understood that I need to make sure that I can do this, this, and this, and I need these preparations or do this, and I need to do that in order for me to be able to make it, and you don't see that happen, and you're worried. And I'm trying to tell you, folks, even though you can't understand, believe that God is able to deliver no matter whether you have preparations and food or not because we can prepare by seeking god we don't know what's going to happen we see it coming but you don't know what god's going to do right now but you have to believe even when you can't see it see so many people out there we want our families in the kingdom we want our lost loved ones in the kingdom and we don't see that yet and we've tried to share with them and we've prayed for them and we haven't seen it but folks don't give up Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean God's not going to do it. See, the tribulation is not for, this is not for the bad, it's for the good. The tribulation is a time of purification, and it also wakes people up. And God uses hard times many times to refine and to wake up people. And those words you have planted or those seeds that are out there, God will bring them to increase when it's time. And just because you haven't seen it yet, don't get upset. Sometimes we're going to have bad things happen. And it's at those moments we have to understand that all things do work together for good. Now, not that all things are good, but that they work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You see, I remember this with my daughter, my oldest daughter. She was, she's 19 now, and she was just a little girl, and I, I think I shared this story a long time ago with people. Maybe, I don't remember. But I, I she was... This young girl and, and, and little, just I think she was maybe a year old, maybe not even a year actually. And she had been a baby getting all these ear, a young girl getting all these ear infections. She maybe was just a little over a year and some. And, and so she had had so many ear infections that they tried all this medication and nothing was working. They said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to have to put tubes in her ears. And I was thinking to myself, she's just a little girl. I mean, I know the tubes aren't bad, and they're, you know, there's nothing wrong. But I started thinking to myself, I don't want her to have to get tubes right yet. And so I began to, I began to pray, and I thought, man, you know, I want to have her anointed. You know, James chapter five. Many times people wait till it's a deathbed to call James chapter five in, folks. You don't have to be dying to get anointed. It doesn't say you have to have, be breathing your last breath. And so I, I remember I called my dad and I said, Dad, I want to give my daughter, I want to get Elisa anointed, Lord. And, and I said, Dad, but I need somebody who believes in the power of God. And so my dad recommended a friend of his that lived a little ways from here. And I knew another man. And this man was a, a powerful man of God who really believed in the Lord. And so I remember we got together and we fasted and prayed and, and sought the Lord. And, 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 and I remember we had her anointed. And, and so it was like a couple days later, she had to go to the, back to the doctor. And I remember that she was pulling on her ears. And I was so bad. I'd just been converted not too long before that. And I wanted my wife to see God's power so bad. I just see my wife. I went so 
I was so radical for the Lord from being such a radical drug addict. I went 180 degrees and the other way, and I kind of scared my wife at first because I didn't have any balance. But I, I just like, honey, you got to see. I wanted her to see the power of God. I wanted God to miraculously heal my daughter in a powerful way. And so I was just, Lord, please. And then so she gets sick and she's pulling her ears and I'm like, oh, man. So I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? I wanted my wife to see God's power. So I was like, well, I don't know, hon. Maybe we're supposed to go and witness to somebody. I don't know what. And I just, I couldn't believe that God hadn't delivered my daughter like that. She went She went into the doctor and she's pulling on her ears. The ear infections are there. It's going to, it didn't work. And I was devastated. I was trying to keep up the faith, but God wasn't answering the way that, that I wanted him to answer. And I remember that my wife went in there, and I, I just wanted her to see how strong. I, I think I wanted my wife to see God's power even more than my little girl healed. That's terrible, actually, I think about it. But I, I wanted both, but I just wanted, wanted her to see how strong God was. And so I remember she went in there, took her in sick and pulling at her ears. And the doctor got out his, his, his ear scope and started looking in her ears. And he looked up at my wife and he said, she's healed. There's nothing wrong. Her ears are completely healed. And not only that, but she has no scarring from all these ear infections and little babies that scars them up bad. And I was so devastated because God had an answer. And then right there at the, in front of the doctor, the Lord ends up healing my little girl right there. And I couldn't believe it. You see, I wanted God to so amazingly work something out that I could see beforehand. But when I didn't see it, I was crushed. And then God, out of mercy anyways, ends up answering the prayer. And it was like that day. It's just the word to me. It was just like, don't you ever doubt me again. Don't you ever doubt me. I could have healed her a week before, but I healed her right there in the doctor's office. Don't you doubt me. See, radical faith says, even though I don't see it, I'm still going to believe it. But I was failing at that moment, and God still showed mercy. See, you don't know that what you're going through right now. You might not understand it, but radical faith says, even though I can't understand, I will believe and I will trust. Even though I've lost a child, even though we lost a baby in miscarriage, even though it hurts so bad, still have to trust that God is going to take care of this. Yes, not everything is good. Bad things happen to good people. Paul and Silas were beaten. Jesus was hung to die. He was beaten worse than any man ever. And yet it worked out for good because we have the right to salvation through our Lord and Savior. I want to ask you a question. Do you really believe and do you know that all things work together for good? to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Folks, I want to tell you right now, we are going into some tough times. We live in a very dangerous world. 
We're all wrapped up into so much stuff that's going on here that I want to tell you tonight, radical faith is not always about do, you know, stepping into the lion's den. Uh, many times radical faith is being able to accept and receive even when you don't understand why. And even when we think about, I can't believe I've had this pain, or I can't believe I've done this, they remember Jesus as he was there on the cross, being crucified, being beaten, stabbed in the side, all these hideous things. Remember this, that he had you on his mind, because he knew that one day, 2,000 years later, that Brother Frank in his listening office, their audience, we're going to need that sacrifice. Not everything is good. Not everything is great. But ultimately, everything works together, both good and bad, for God's glory and our good. Folks, don't give up. We are living in some crazy times. Maybe your marriage has been falling apart. Maybe things are not going well. Maybe your children aren't talking to you. Maybe you've been a bad parent. Welcome to the club. Okay? But you know what? Radical faith says, Lord, even though I've messed up, even though everything's going wrong in my marriage, I'm still going to believe and trust. When you can accept and believe and trust, no matter what, your witness will be so powerful to other people. Because it's in those minutes of tragedy and those moments of extreme discomfort that someone sees that peace that passes all understanding that comes across the believer. It's at that moment that that one witness speaks louder than a thousand sermons. Take courage. Keep praying. Get into the Word. Accept when you can't see. And watch God grow radical faith in you. This is Brother Frank with the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.